You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our current serial is of Knives and Night Blooms. Chapter 13. Past the Muses, near Lake Lamia. We need to talk about your husband, said Icarus. Calix raised her eyebrows. Which one? Whichever you think most likely to want you dead. He could not ask questions of her still. This continued to enrage him in a background sort of way. More enraging still was that he'd almost got used to it. Don't get complacent, Swift, he reminded himself several times a day, or you'll end up playing her servant until the end of time. Surely there had to be some way to be free of it. Meanwhile, he was stuck playing word games to learn anything useful from her. They were passing the Muses, a series of tall, stately standing stones overlooking the river, beyond the lip of a low cliff. In his youth, Icaros had attended festivals at the Muses, gatherings of bards, dancers and artists, not to mention a dizzying array of God-fearing young people ready to experiment with mind-altering substances. A music festival was a good place to find your mark. No one expected to be assassinated while swaying their hips to an experimental harp trio. There was no festival happening today, though it was tipping towards the sultrier depths of summer. Soon there would be garlands strung around the stones every other week. For now, the stones looked grim and lonely, standing guard over the river as the barge moved smoothly past. One of my husbands is dead already, said Calix, who clearly had no appreciation for the significance of the scenery, and the other is yet to plight his trough in any official capacity. Surely it's traditional to wait for the wedding night before you try to murder your bride. She had a sense of humour about this. How annoying. It would be useful, said Icarus, if you put some thought into who might want you dead before you make your vows. Unless you already know that edge too close to a question. His throat tightened up, not allowing him to proceed. Her eyes were warm on his. Also annoying. Like this was some cute little game. I signed no marriage contract, if that's what you're asking. A betrothal contract, yes, but... He did not ask, what are the implications of that contract if you die before you reach Phoenix Burning? The question hovered inside his head, unable to escape. Frustration scorched across the inside of his mouth. Her eyes were amused. She was not taking this seriously. It made him want to slap her, to shout at her, to pin her against the wall of the nearest cabin, and Calix leaned into him. Even her breath smelled like flowers, this maddening woman. Ask your question, she said. And the command settled over him like a gentle cloak. Permission to speak should be one more humiliation. 
but instead it came with a rush of relief as Icarus felt the magical compulsion to ask no questions of her, melt away on the breeze. Coming hard and fast behind was the realisation that he wanted to bed her. Desire washed over him, hot and fierce, but he tamped it down. No good would come of that particular impulse. Does the divine kingdom benefit from your death before the wedding? he asked. Calix turned away from him, though she was already standing so close that he could reach out, pull her into his arms. No, for all Icarus knew, his attraction to her was another mortifying side effect of the bond she'd forced upon them all. No way of knowing that, without asking Mardi and Valeria some extremely intimate questions, and he would rather wait until the River Divine froze over. There's no marriage, Calix said softly. If I or my prospective bridegroom die before we make our vows, the dowry's to be returned. The alliances and agreements and trade contracts all fall away. It's as nothing without the wedding taking place. But the royal family bid you make your own way to the palace with no royal guard to keep you safe. Suspicious. Dangerous? Yes, I've been thinking about that, she admitted. I can see why you'd wonder if they were deliberately exposing me to danger. It makes no sense, though. After all those negotiations with the Imperium, they'd have to start from scratch. Why bother? Why indeed. What would they have to gain from bringing Calix here and letting her die halfway down the River Divine? Nothing was not the answer. Someone had done it. Someone must benefit. So, either the Divine King changed his mind after making the betrothal arrangements, or someone else wants to stop him marrying you. Calix turned back, tilting her head towards his. I'm not marrying the Divine King. Did you think I was? Who then? Icaros's throat was dry, and not from finally being able to ask her as many questions as he liked. He refused to believe it was because he had an opinion about this woman's intended. The thirteenth treasure, said Calix, heir to the kingdom. The first twelve treasures, sons to the divine king, had all died over the last few years, under circumstances ranging from slightly suspicious through to downright scandalous though Icarus knew for a fact that none had been called as sacrifice to the Black Raven. Natural causes, every single one of them, according to official rulings. And that was far more suspicious than a crossbow in the night or a blade in the throat. Isn't he a child? Icarus asked. Surely the youngest of the Divine King's children had been born ten minutes ago, a week at most. He never paid that much attention to royal politics. The last thing he'd heard anything about a royal birth was, oh, no, that was before Emberley was born. Never mind. Older than I was when I was first married, said Calix, sounding rather put upon. I'm sure he can't be delighted to be wedded off to an old matron like me, but I can't imagine that's something to hire four assassins over. You're not old, said Icarus trying to work out if her perfume was jasmine, rose, or some other flower he couldn't identify. Whatever it was, he needed to get away from it. 
His skin was prickling all over with wanting to touch her. Calix laughed, a horrendously alluring sound, and patted him on the arm like he was some faithful retainer. So charming, she said, with a fond sort of sarcasm. You'll get on marvellously at the palace with courtier skills like that. Naturally, you don't think I'm old. You're an antique. I think the 13th treasure hired us to kill Calix, Icaros remarked to Mardi and Valeria later in the day as the silken hair drew near Lake Lamia. Obviously, said Valeria, her voice dripping with scorn. Keep up, said Mardi. We worked that out ages ago. Prince doesn't want to marry a bride old enough to be his mother. Can't rebel openly against his father. If you weren't so busy making car fires at our new mistress, we would have explained it to you earlier, added Valeria with a smirk. Icaros briefly considered murdering them both with his bare hands, decided against it. Do we tell her? We've spent the last day or so not telling her, and neither of us has bled buttercups out our ears, said Marty. I think we're all right, as long as we plan to kill him at some point. The bond really wants us to do that. I may want to kill him independently of the bond, mused Icaros. Oh, you do have a crush, said Valeria. Thought so. Sweet. This one has a plan, added Marty. Wonderful, muttered Icaros. Nothing chilled his bones more than his wife with a plan. Let me know when you need me to be involved. Wait until the absolutely last minute if you can. Keep me on my toes. Both women gave him identically nasty smiles. Way ahead of you, said Valeria, as always, my love. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional and continuing custodians of Lutruita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates, follow me on Twitter at TansyRR, and if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. A new novella dropped this month, which is uh, A Wicked Blade, which is the beginning of, I hope, an ongoing series about a homicidal palace and the people who live inside it. Um, I've had some really lovely feedback on the novella, and you can get hold of it with a $2 Patreon pledge. I'll see you next week.